Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I think this is a chance to storytell. And that's what I did with all these Hall of Famers. This is Saverin on Steelers. Hello to everyone out there in Steelers Nation and welcome to Saverin on Steelers podcast. I am said person, Stan Saverin, bring you weekly Steelers content, twice weekly actually. Hope you uh, enjoy the podcast. If you do, please let your friends, neighbors, and relatives know that we have the podcast up and running. We do two new ones per week. You can get us at Steelers.com. If you haven't found us already, glad you did, and please continue to listen. Try to prevent uh, present Steelers content to you um, each time we're up and podcasting. Watching this New York Jets, Steelers, of course, had a bye week last week. Watching this uh, Bills and Jets game, which we saw here in Pittsburgh, don't know if you were able to see that game, it was eerily similar to what the Jets did to the Steelers, what they did Sunday against the Buffalo Bills. That is, play it tight, play it close, and then when they have opportunity to grind out a victory, they did exactly that. Now, there was one difference in all this, and that was that in the Steelers-Jets game, the Steelers ground out the clock to protect the lead. In this particular game against Buffalo, Again, uh, against a very good Buffalo defense, ranked number one in many categories going into that game. They were in a tie football game, but they were able to possess the football largely on the ground, get in position to A, kick a game-winning field goal, but B, exhaust the bills of all their timeouts so that Josh Allen, who did not have a good game, um, had very little wherewithal to come back and tie or win the game themselves. Uh And I was thinking back to that. After the Steelers lost to the Jets in that fashion, where they allowed the Jets to continue um, and control the ball for 633, and when the Steelers did get the ball back, Kenny Pickett threw an ill-advised interception, I began to think a lot of people after that game said, hey, don't sell the Jets short. They're building something there. They've invested high draft choices primarily on the offensive and defensive line, yes, They used the number one draft pick at quarterback in Zach Wilson, but they began their restructure along the lines, which is really where it should be. And I began to think, um, after many people mentioned that after the game, well, maybe the Steelers' loss to the Jets wasn't all that terrible. Maybe the Jets are slightly better. I don't think it excused what happened to the Steelers. Whether the Jets are improving or not, the Steelers said they thought they'd have a great defense. Well, they got shoved around for those last six minutes and 33 seconds, and it cost them the game and put them in a position where they had very little opportunity to come back and win. 
So I don't know if I'm buying that, but I do buy into them. The Jets are sitting there at 6-3. and three. There must be something to what they're doing it. And by the way, they're doing it in arguably the best division in football. The Dolphins, the Bills, who I still believe are among the top two teams in the AFC. The Patriots are over 500, and certainly the Jets now are. So maybe there is something to the fact that the Jets are better than we initially gave them credit for. I think that's a fair assessment. But I also think that it underscores the Steelers' weaknesses. How will that manifest itself in the last nine games of the year? They're sitting at 2-6. and six. You as a Steeler fan, I would imagine, I'm guessing now, you tell me otherwise, but I would imagine that there are mixed feelings. A fan who is dedicated to his team is never going to be happy when they lose. That's just the way it is. That's just the way it works. But maybe as a consolation prize, if the Steelers lose a game, it helps their draft status. And I don't know, maybe you still have hope for salvaging something out of this particular season. But being honest, in order to make the playoffs, they'd have to win at least seven of their remaining nine games. Now, granted, the schedule is not nearly as tough. Based on opponents' records only, the Steelers played the toughest schedule of any NFL team in the first half of the season. That's a fact. Now, maybe some of those teams that were 500 are going to fall under. Of course, the reverse can be true as well. But there's no doubt that they played a very demanding schedule. The second half of the schedule, if you will, the last nine games, only two teams currently are above 500. Seven of the nine presently, that can change, are not. But just looking at the quality of opponents, it should be, quote, easier. Nothing's easy in the NFL. It should be easier. But what do they actually gain? By winning, let's say, six of the nine games and finishing eight and nine. You've really modified your draft position. And not that I would ever advocate for a team to lose on that basis. Because, look, the players currently on the team, they're not worried about next year's draft picks. They're worried about their own fates and fortunes. And if they don't play well, the Steelers aren't going to want them around. And neither will other teams. They'll be less valuable on the trade market. And certainly, if they're eligible for free agency, if they play poorly individually... Teams don't value them on reputation. They look at the tape and say, what did, you, what did you do? What have you done? And yet it's hard not to keep at least part of your vision and focus on positioning in the draft. Right now they're top five or six. Eight and nine would ruin that. Four and 13 or something like that would enhance that. We're already experiencing that to a degree. Viewing the games on Sunday, it had totally escaped me when the score for the Miami Dolphins-Chicago Bears game came up that I ought to be rooting for Miami. Why? 
Well, not because I'm worried about the Dolphins, don't care one way or another about them and their playoff fortunes, but because by beating the Bears, it gives the Steelers a better pick in the second round for that Chase Claypool trade. Now, it's also true that by rooting for the Bears to win, it might hurt the Steelers' chances in the number first round of the draft because the Bears are in contention. They're 3-6. and six, The Steelers are 2-6. and six. But right now, the focus is on that second-round pick that they got for Chase Claypool, which I believe was an excellent trade. You give up a third-round, uh, second-round guy, you're going to get more in return in terms of where you drafted Claypool as for what your return's going to be. So it's a mixed kind of message. Yes, nine games to go, a lot can happen. But yes, deep down inside, if the Steelers lose, it enhances their draft position, and that's no way to look at an entire season. But in all honesty, that's where we're at. The Steelers have always prided themselves on building through the draft. In fact, in 1979, after their fourth Super Bowl win, there was a lot of conversation about every player who won a ring that year was homegrown, drafted, or signed as a free agent by the Steelers, and that was true for much of the decade. They would like to replicate that, if at all possible. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. The draft has an amazing legacy with the Steelers. And we're joined now by Jim Wexel. Covered the Steelers for a very long time. Steel City Insider. He's written a number of books. The last one was about Troy Polamalu, but there's a brand new one out. It's entitled On the Clock, Behind the Scenes with the Pittsburgh Steelers at the NFL Draft. And Jim joins us now. Uh, Jim, I just wanted to mention, it's uh, it's a great book. A terrific read. I think any Steeler fan would just love this book to death. Well, I thought going into this season that I could uh, begin the marketing earlier than next March or April, right? Yeah. I mean, we are talking about the draft right now. They they uh, traded Claypool for a high draft pick. We're all we're all watching how the Bears are doing now. Uh, what's that pick? It went from forty three to what? So that uh, uh, that's just a, a little 
kind of comic relief there, but you know how much I've loved the draft over the years. And this, I think this is a chance to storytell. And that's what I did with all these Hall of Famers. You know, uh, even, you know, Joe Green's high school, there's stories about him scaring another team off the bus. Um, Terry Bradshaw's javelin throwing. I love all that. And when you can, you know, put it together in story form instead of encyclopedic form, and then, and, and thereby, all these pieces built Super Bowl teams or just Hall of Famers, or as Greg Lloyd said about the 90s, we rekindled the spirit and set it up for the 2000s. Uh, so that's the, the history. The draft tells the history of the Steelers. And I felt putting it in uh, story form makes it, makes it a history book, an interesting, fun history book for not just young young guys, you know, young people. It should be in every young person's uh, library with the Polamalu book. I, I definitely feel that way. Uh, so, but uh, our generation, Stan, we can appreciate uh, the stories about Bill Dudley. You know, they remind us of our our time. You know. <laughs> well, I'm, it's interesting because I've got the book in front of me and I, I've read almost all of it. But for those who are just being initiated to the book, is it a story about individual players? Is it about the Steelers' philosophy behind the draft? Is it about, uh, for example, look behind uh, in the war room, what goes on on draft day? Well, um, there's a little bit of all of that. Um, you know, uh, it, it tells the history, and, and there's not of how they do it because that's evolved. You know, I, I, as I pointed out, Grantland Rice may have been their first scout. Uh, he wrote up Wizard White and uh, uh, Bill Dudley really big late in their careers, and the Steelers were reading out of draft magazines at that time. Um, and then Bill Livingston, future Pittsburgh Press sports editor, he he got in. He was one of the, he was their first paid scout. There's a newspaper guy, and we all know the great newspaper guy, Bill Nunn. Bill Nunn. So it, there's a lot of newspaper guys involved. But I take you through the evolution of uh, you know. Uh, our, when our Art Jr. took over in uh, 65, I believe he took over, it was a bit of a, a joke by his dad. He went home and told mom, I, I want to work for the team. And uh, mom said to dad, you got to find a place for Artie. And dad said, well, Betty Parker traded away all the draft picks, so that's a safe place to put Artie. <laughs> put him in, in head of personnel. But five years later, the chief said it was the smartest move I ever made. Yep. Uh, I, I'm wondering... Uh, about this dedication to the draft. I mean, most teams should do that. They have to do that. But I'm wondering when, when Dan came in uh, and took over for the chief, the day-to-day operations, is that where we're building through the draft? Is that really where it started? Yeah. And, and you know, it's funny. Uh, the newspaper men of the day complained about the hiring of Buddy Parker, saying that they needed a GM. And this guy this guy has no regard for drafting and they felt drafting was the wave of the future. And this is in the fifties. So even some of the newsmen were pretty astute at the time. And then, you know, by the time Dan had the power to say no to buddy Parker, uh, all the, you know, this, the rest of the sixties were just obliterated by trading of draft picks. So yeah, when Dan came in, uh, and then, you know, Dan opened up his Pittsburgh courier one, one fine day didn't recognize any of the names in Bill Nunn's respected uh, black college All-America team in 67. And he knew this paper came out of Pittsburgh. 
and he ran the banquet for Bill Nunn uh, every year at the Hilton. And he said, why don't I know any of these guys? What, what are my scouts? How come Bill Nunn doesn't cover this team? He went down to the lobby of the Roosevelt Hotel, uh, said to the guy who was there from the Courier, where's Bill Nunn? Why doesn't he come here? And, and, and Dan Rooney was told, he, he, he thinks you guys run a clown show. And so he, Dan set up a meeting. I want to talk to Bill Nunn about his opinions on this. Bill Nunn was a Cleveland Browns fan. He would drive from the Hill District with his buddies to go see the Browns. And uh, Dan asked Bill, Bill why, why don't you cover this team? And, and Bill told him, you know, you, you guys are a joke, and I think you're racist. I don't know about you, but I know Buddy Parker was. I have a good idea Bill Austin is, and uh, I just think it's a complete, uh, uh, you know, clown show. And uh, Dan hired him. But, uh, you know, Bill was allowed to keep his courier job. And there were some funny incidents where holding both jobs as a part-time scout and the uh, talent evaluator for the Black College All-America team for the courier, he would hold guys off. He held Elsie Greenwood off the courier all-star team in the hope that the Steelers would get a, a late-round sleeper. And mm. they did. So uh, he played some of those games. And I had fun uh, writing about that, too. Oh boy, Bill Nunn! What uh, what a great gentleman! How long did it? It's a chicken or the egg thing, Jim. How long did it take Bill Nunn to gain the confidence of Art Rooney Jr. Um, and the other members of the scouts and Dan Rooney? Um, I mean, did it, did it take the signing of some of these L.C. Greenwood and and you know Joe Green and uh, Dwight White? Is that what he had to do to prove himself? Well, uh, Bill has you know Bill has passed and he hasn't. That I, I found no record of his opinion other than he really wanted Chuck Knoll and he and Artie. You know, Artie said that he came around quickly, but what what is anyone going to say about Bill Nunn? Then, oh yeah, I agreed with him right away. Right. So I, I can't be positive, but Artie said he came around right away. And uh, then uh, you know, when when Chuck Knoll was being hired, when he was being interviewed, Artie barged into the interview room and wanted to know if Chuck. If Chuck was, if he was going to draft athletes, if he was going to draft black athletes, and uh, you know, Chuck said something like, "I'm only prejudiced against slow people and stupid people and <laughs> things like that." You just find me athletes, and and Art and Bill Nunn were just overjoyed to hear the rhetoric that came from Chuck Knoll. And sure enough, first day Chuck was hired, he was okay. Now let's go to the draft board. We, I think the draft was within a week. I, I forget exactly, but that that first draft was right away and. Chuck wanted to check the draft board, and he was relieved that they had the same respect for Joe Green because he had been hearing about Terry Hanratty, <laughs> as was the word around town, uh, with that fourth pick. And But uh, Chuck really wanted Joe Green, and uh, Artie says that he did too, and they had no problem with all of that. Oh, it's interesting. It w- would have been very close because, you know, Chuck um, had been with Baltimore, and they were defeated by the Jets in the big upset, and then he, he became available. So, yeah, the hiring uh, couldn't have come, you know, much before that. And back in those days, the draft was held, uh, I think it was on a, the, the last Tuesday in January um, in, in, in general. Uh, I don't want to give away all the great stuff in the book, but um, the, the, the story about Joe Green scaring people, uh, tell us that story, Jim, and I won't ask you to reveal anything more about the, about the stories in the book. He was a frustrated young man. He felt he lived in a racist town in Texas, and uh, the uh, uh, the black high schools never got covered coverage from the local media, and uh, they had to bus around to get on the right field. And um, he he ran with the wrong crowd too. 
Uh, he was a junior in high school, and he lost to a team, I believe, from Waco. Uh, I forget the name of the town that Joe was in, but it was a home game. Joe walked in to get his usual uh, post-game ice cream or whatever he eat after the game at the ice cream place, and the opposing quarterback was eating an ice cream cone. Joe took it out of his hand and shoved it in his face. <laughs> and one of the quarterback's teammates threw a bottle at Joe. And once Joe recovered, he, uh, the, the place emptied. They ran onto the bus. Joe chased him. The bus driver pulled the door shut, and Joe just ripped open the door slowly but surely and got them open. And by then, the team had poured out the back of the bus and run away. So he was only a junior in high school. <laughs> yeah, the the mean Joe Green. Yeah, it rhymed and all that, but um, he came here with a demeanor. There, there's no question about that. And look, <laughs> hey, um, the, the the guard's name, as I remember from Denver, was Paul Howard, and he punched him in the stomach. I'm surprised his fist did his fist didn't come out the back of his spine. Uh, and we remember yeah. the uh, the incident with uh, with Bob McKay, the Browns offensive lineman. So he his, his reputation uh, preceded him. Uh, Jim, when you look back, what did you learn about the Steelers' approach to the draft in, in doing your research and writing the book? Well, you know, I, Dan Rooney uh, was – I think it's more about the people. You know, Dan Rooney made it a priority and went and got Bill Nunn. And Bill Nunn teaming with Chuck Knoll was devastating uh, for, for the rest of the NFL. And I don't know that a philosophy was there other than Chuck wanted athletes and Bill Nunn opened the keys to the kingdom. Uh, and, and, and just the study of Bill Nunn and the people he knew and the information he was able to glean over his scouting contemporaries. You know, those guys went to the black colleges too after a while. And uh, I, I made a line in the book that uh, when Bill Nunn was seen spotting, uh, was was spotted scouting a particular player it was like uh the chief being spotted in in line at, at a racing track and who was he going to bet who was bill Nunn looking at same thing it diminished the value of the player right away so they had to guard against what bill Nunn was actually doing or it became a a, a, a thing to look and see who bill Nunn was leaving off the the college uh, Amer- all america team because that would be a tip as to who the steelers thought they could get as a sleeper but, you know, and, and it developed off of that. And I don't mean to leave out the 90s and the aughts. And that all developed as well. You know, Tom Donahoe. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you one philosophy is that it's still up to the coach. It's the head coach. He's got a, he leans on his personnel director and general manager. But it's the head coach. You know, when Chuck, when Chuck was arguing with Art Rooney Jr. about Franco, and Dan Radakovich from Penn State, who was with the Steelers, finally talked uh, Chuck into ch- drafting Franco. Radakovich looked at uh, Chuck and said, take him. And Chuck said, all right, let's take the Penn Stater. And he turned around and looked at his personnel director, Artie Jr., and said, you better be right. <laughs> Robert Newhouse. <laughs> Robert Newhouse right. is the guy that Chuck wanted. And there's a whole chapter called the Penn Stater. Joe Green has said everything changed once Franco came aboard. Uh, Jim, uh, as always, uh, let people know where they can buy the book. Well, it's at Amazon, and uh, it will be at my website very soon if you want autographed copies. And I'm going to have uh, signings all over the Pittsburgh area, and, but right now it's at Amazon, but it won't be autographed. Our deep thanks to Jim Wexel. Really, it's a terrific book. 
you'll enjoy to make a great Christmas gift for anybody. But get a copy for yourself. It's available on Amazon. Um, and this is for, uh, you know, many of our out-of-town Steelers uh, uh, folks who are looking for Steelers content. This would be a great book to have. And you may not have been aware of it otherwise. So we're glad to pass that along to you again. Uh, Jim Wexel, he's the author, um, respected journalist, and it's available at Amazon.com. A reminder that our Steelers on uh, Saverin on Steelers podcast is available. New editions up twice weekly. We're glad that you uh, were able to find us. Hope you enjoyed the program. A reminder that I am on every day on ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 AM in Pittsburgh, or you can get it anywhere in the world for that matter on the iHeartMedia app. Just download the app. It is free. It is free for you to listen to the show every day. And a reminder that I'll be along with Charlie Batch after the post-game show or during the post-game show after the Saints game on Sunday. We get on the air about 20 minutes after the game is over. That's it for this edition of Savernon Steelers. I thank you for listening. So long, everybody. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.